0: This is Fundraising Radio, and today's a guest speaker, we have Mitzi Krokova, Managing Director, Co-Chair of the Health Sector Committee, and founding member of the Arizona chapter of the Golden Seeds. And in this episode, we'll talk about Golden Seeds, how are their chapters different from each other, because uh, I already interviewed two other managing directors of other chapters of Golden Seeds prior to this episode. And, of course, we'll talk about female were there specific uh, um, strategies to fundraising? How are they different from male strat- uh, strategies to this uh, question? And also we'll talk about the beach deck and Mitzi's personal preferences to investing. So Mitzi, let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Golden Seeds.
1: Sure. Thank you, Konstantin, for inviting me. Um, I am actually an internist and the former founding medical director of the Iris Cantor UCLA Women's Health Center and former vest- vice president of women's health at Humana. So I come at um, investment in a little bit of a different way. Um, my focus on women's health um, led me to become very interested in entrepreneurship as a vehicle for driving change in women's health. So I actually joined Golden Seeds to literally invest myself um, in uh Femtech, if you will, as an angel investor, and uh, got introduced to that um, in that way. Um, and then obviously we invest in much more than that, group, but we look at all of our health related um, app- applications from life sciences to, to wellness products. Um, and one of the reasons I chose Golden Seeds is that it obviously has a very good reputation. It's been around for 15 years. Um, and its thesis is to increase gender diversity, um, both in funding and in investment, and provide resources for female entrepreneurs and leaders with promising companies. So that, um, that was also very appealing to me. Golden Seeds has about 300 members across the country. We have eight chapters, but we also have um, investors, both men and women, um, even outside of those chapters in various areas of the country and as i said we are focused on the angel investment and we not only provide capital but uh, we also leverage our network to help with uh, companies uh, customer growth we provide guidance and mentorship we provide office hours for entrepreneurs to drop in to ask questions and once funded we help build boards Advisory and executive teams, and also can introduce follow on capital. So, we see our mission as really um, helping the entrepreneur be successful.
0: Got it. And that's great. And first thing that I want to ask you is about the differences between the chapters. So, you have eight chapters, as you said, which is a significant number, by the way. Congrats on that. And uh, I was wondering, does each chapter of Golden Seeds focuses on something specific? So, for example, I know for sure that Angel, uh, Tech Coast Angels, each chapter focuses on something special. So one chapter focuses on consumer tech, the other focuses on fintech, the third one focuses on healthcare. Does it work the same way for Golden Seeds?
1: Kind of, but not um, as as discreet as that. So we do have eight chapters. We have our three um, larger chapters and, and older chapters. Um, our headquarters are in New York. We also have a chapter in Boston and in Silicon Valley. And those are the chapters where, when we were all meeting in, um, in person, um, that our entrepreneurs would, days COVID actually been uh, really a nice opportunity um, to just, you know, we can all as members plug into any of those virtually but now that everything's virtual, um, it makes it even more easy. Um, our other uh, chapters are in Dallas, Houston, uh, Atlanta, now Arizona, and New Jersey. And so they are our newer and smaller chapters and all of those, including and including the three larger ones, have what we call office hours as a way for us to be available in our community for entrepreneurs and also to for us to connect with um, uh, promising companies that may then go on to respect to what we focus on you know um, obviously silicon valley is um largely not which shouldn't say largely but has a lot of members in the tech and financial areas boston has a lot of investors in the life sciences um, and new york also has um uh, different kinds of uh, uh, focus on consumers, and um, and financial um, investors as well. However, um, as you might guess, w- even within those groups, um, all of our investors come from so many different professions um, and expertise. And what's really great is that um, even if an entrepreneur um, pitches in one area, if is say that they're pitching an ed tech, and we have an ed tech expert in New York um, will alert that individual. So even, so it's, we really do use our network of 300 plus members um, when, we, uh, when, when an entrepreneur um, comes to us.
0: Got it. And before we go on to the next topic that I wanted to touch on to I wanted to talk about the thing that you mentioned earlier, which is resources. So what kind of resources do you provide to founders? Uh, are those office hours mainly, or is it something something else that people can mm-hmm. look at?
1: Well, again, many times the initial um, experience of an entrepreneur is uh, with Golden Seeds is through office hours. And for those that are interested, if you go to the Golden Seeds website, goldenseeds.com, under entrepreneurs, you can actually um, uh, register for, and make an appointment for an office hour. Um, I suggest that if you know you do it if you're, if you're an entrepreneur, you would do it closest to where you are locally because we have obviously um, each local chapter knows about their local resources as well. Um, but again in this day and age we, you can actually uh, uh, check in anywhere. Um, and then that way you kind of understand, what Golden Seeds is about, and we can, again, um, provide uh, some, uh, some advice. Sometimes we become connectors to those resources in the community that we think will help an entrepreneur. Um, And again, uh, making uh, or connecting somebody with some, um, an entrepreneur with someone with expertise. So again, we just, we try to, we try to be helpful. Um, And then with respect to once uh, a company comes and screens and gets funded, then we can do everything from Lda around. we can help with um, you know again providing strategic and financial they, they find mentors um, in some of our members and we also can again network um, network them with the resources that they might need outside of uh, Golden Seeds.
0: So I think that's really the major benefit of working with an angel group is that you get, you have so many members and all those members have their own networks and ends up being an enormous network. So yeah, that's definitely a plus. And the next question I wanted to discuss is Arizona chapter. So what's it like to work in Arizona in the startup field? I've never really gotten out of California personally. In terms of uh, work relations, I mean, mm-hmm. only California and New York; those are the only two states that, I'm basically, working with. How how's it different in Arizona? What's your what's your view on that?
1: Oh well, you know, I think that we are probably the best kept secret, if you will. Um, you know, it seems like everyone's surprised at the kinds of companies that we're seeing, and also that we send um, for screening. Um, The Arizona, you know, Arizona has been growing significantly over the past few years. Phoenix is the fifth largest city in the country. And uh, there's a very much an entrepreneurial spirit. In fact, um, ASU uh, is, uh, Arizona State University, is known for its entrepreneurship and its focus on that. Um, And our other universities, NAU and University of Arizona, um, also have entrepreneurship programs and um, and strong uh, uh, business entities. Um, the other piece is that, again, we're growing in tech, we're growing in med tech and biotech, and um, uh, we've also always been strong in real estate and construction. So obviously you're gonna see a lot of that um, coming through with respect to entrepreneurship. Um, but we're also seeing wellness and beauty and cybersecurity and educational companies. So nice. um, what's really, you know, again, and what's also interesting is I think that um, we've been pleasantly surprised about the number of women entrepreneurs and and women founders that have sought us out. And it's been very gratifying um, to meet those women and uh, and help them at,
0: Great. That's that's so great that you know Arizona. Yeah. It's great that Arizona is growing. Uh, I'm really happy to hear that. And uh, my yeah. next question was about some places that are not growing as fast as, let's say, Phoenix, which is, as you said, fifth largest city uh, in the U.S. Yeah. What should entrepreneurs do when they are located in smaller cities, or if they're not even in a city, should they actually move to some place where it's more where the startup world is more active, or should they just try to stay there and reach out to people online and try to do it this way?
1: You know, I think that it really has to do with what they're doing and who they're serving, certainly. And technology is a great connector. We call ourselves the Arizona chapter, for example, and not the Phoenix one, because we reach out to um, folks in Tucson and um, and uh, uh, northern Arizona, and we're hoping to, um, you know, again when we get back in person, to even be in person in some of those areas because we find it's very important. You know, there are, there are entrepreneurs everywhere, and um, and it's to everybody's benefit that we seek those folks out. And though I think with respect to fundraising and networking. Obviously, it's easier to do that in person. Um, but, you know, this is an interesting time. And there are so many webinars and um, ways to network if you're a little bit um, creative um, and get into some of these entrepreneurial workshops. Um, SeedSpot, for example, which has offices here and I believe in California and DC is very entrepreneurial focused and has been having some workshops, for example. And then if you see someone that you think might be um, helpful to you or that you want to connect with, you know, then you follow up with them. And so, um, you ha- again, you have to be creative. In terms of, again, making the move, I think that, again, um, that's something that's obviously very personal. And if you can be someone that can even come in person when you can, then that may be all that you need. If you really need an ecosystem around you, then you know you might consider that. But I think the days of having to go to Silicon Valley or New York, um, you know, are not necessarily as significant as going to someplace more local because so many communities are really focusing on innovation
0: mm-hmm. and uh, right. i
1: would look in your own backyard
0: first absolutely that's that's a great advice and i totally agree with you on that and here we're moving on to the topic of female founders so what's do you think there is like a specific strategy for female founders to follow because uh, i mean there is a certain path for male founders to take, but is it somewhat different for females? Should they reach out first to uh, female-focused investors like Golden Seeds, or should they just reach out to whoever they think um, will just be interested most in their field?
1: Again, there's no right answer. Um, I think that you, as an entrepreneur and founder, reach out to anyone you think can help you. Um, I think that, um, you know, again, when, uh, folks seek out golden seeds, they probably also pitch to other angel groups and certainly, Mm -hmm. um, they many times have advisors, um, on their teams that, um, connect them with other investment organizations. But, you know, I, I think you do, I think you do as much as you can because, you know, Funding is uh, it's probably one of the most difficult things that a founder has to do, uh, fundraising, I should say. and you don't know you know where you're going to get that funding. so you really have to uh, uh, cast your net um, widely. But I would also say you want to cast your net strategically. So going back to your point, certainly, if there are female, Um, focused uh, organizations. That's one way. Um, If there's a specific uh, organization or investment group that focuses on, for example, as you talked about, FinTech or MedTech or whatever it is, um, and that's your area, absolutely. So, um, But don't go and um, pitch again without knowing why you're pitching to that group.
0: Right, that's that's great advice, and it's true. Just do your homework, you know, research the group, mm-hmm. know some nice things about them, and try to drop them in the conversation. People will like that. Right, <laughs> so, exactly. Uh, next question was about pitch deck. So you get to see a lot of presentations. You see a lot of founders pitching. but eventually, before you see them pitch, you see their pitch deck without them actually giving any any mm-hmm. kind of uh, word any kind of verbal pitch. So what do you think are the three must-have points on the pitch deck that you really look for on that pitch deck?
1: Oh, just three, huh? Um, I, you know, I think obviously what the problem is and what their solution is. And I wanna know if they've really looked at the market and the competition and how they differentiate themselves from that competition. And then as an investor, one wants to know how is this company going to make me money and what's the proof? So what is the business strategy and what is the exit strategy? Has that been thought through?
0: Mm-hmm. That's actually something somewhat new to me because I've heard uh, some investors saying that, like, I did not like to see the exit strategy because it's something like so far away uh, from this moment that a lot of things will change from now and to that point. So why exactly do you like to see this exit strategy on the pitch deck?
1: What you said is absolutely true. Things change and you have to be flexible and nimble, but you can't, I always think that you have to look at the um, to get there and plan for it. And so if the entrepreneur has more of a sense of who who they might um, be strategically aligned with or bought by or whatever it is then they're more likely to start those conversations earlier and potentially be more successful so and i'm not saying just have one exit strategy but if you have you know again a number of possibilities it's nice to see that you've thought those out and again many entrepreneurs have already had those conversations or started to have those conversations or sought those other entities out to have some kind of relationship that they can build on later
0: right i think i'm somewhat in between those two i think that having an exit strategy means that you are actually you know thought the whole uh, the whole way through you know mm-hmm. who needs this product you need you, you see that this specific company has a need for it so we assume that probably customers need it as well. So that's that's a good point. But what do you think are the three most common mistakes that founders make while they're actually pitching to you? So, when there's both a pitch deck and the verbal follow up sure. on the pitch deck?
1: Um, first of all, focusing too much time on the product. And, um, and so, uh, you know, again, you want to be clear, you want to be. Um, succinct in some ways Um, so I again uh, because you want to get to all those other um, pieces of information. Um, The other again mistake or um, things that you want to focus on is being clear about the pathway again to revenue and or to exit. And just in terms of presentation um, being defensive. If if there's a question or if there's some pushback, Um, one of the assets we see for entrepreneurs is their coachability, because that means that they're flexible. They can see other people's perspectives. um, They can incorporate, you know, experienced perspectives to make decisions. So being defensive really uh, works against that
0: right and that's that's really good red flag that you've pointed out just don't fight the investors come on they are giving you money (laughs)
1: exactly
0: good point good point so we're moving on to the last question of today's episode which is a call to action what's that one thing that you would like the listeners to do as soon as the episode is over
1: well i you know if they're getting ready to fundraise which obviously that's your audience Um, just make sure that everything is in order and to be prepared. And I know that sounds very basic, but it's so key. Um, and, you know, make sure that you're answering the questions that are, for example, on Golden Seeds, we have a list of questions for the application. Those should be, you know, in, in the presentation. And if it's really detailed, you can always put that, you know, put the extra information in an appendix. Um, and then make sure that your financials are solid in terms of being able to explain them. Make sure, again, that the pitch is clear and that people understand and connect the dots to the problem and the solution. So um, I think for women, it's really important to be listening to some of those kinds of um, questions and turning them around um, to, to benefit themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I personally... Would disagree with you here. I think that whenever, whenever someone answers my question not directly, so something like when I'm asking when are you gonna break even, and they're uh, telling me like something not directly about that that question, it's it really pisses me off horrible. But probably it's just me. So no, still, not, thanks, thanks I mean, for
1: you're right. Um, but you have to answer it. There's there's a way to do it that. I I agree with you. That that answers your question, but, for example, spins it a little bit differently
0: Mm -hmm. um,
1: or reframes it in a different way.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that's definitely an option, but be careful with it because, you know, people, especially investors, they're really limited on time and don't like when founders are going back and forth for 10 minutes trying to answer one question. So try to avoid that. But if you find a the balance, then the advice of Mitsu is great. And we'll wrap it up here. And thanks a lot, Misa, for coming up and for sharing your knowledge in this field. Thanks a lot.
1: My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Take care.
0: Totally. You too.